LDB, 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 LDB. Good evening, LDB. It is time for your playoff podcast. We are here. It is Monday, August 29th. It is 9-11 p.m. We have our regular full crew. We're, we're joined by Matt Starr, our co-commissioner, co-host. Matt, how are we doing? Doing great. Nice to be back like three days after the last one. So. I know. It, it was it was really not long ago. <laughs> and we have Michael Becker as well. He's uh, hot in the action of a fantasy football draft, I believe. Yes? Let, let's go. I'm, I'm sweating out uh, my QB2, Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston. Oh, God, Who do you guys like? <laughs> no, all all good, all good. I'm I'm at the beach currently, so doing all sorts of beach things. Um, we went to uh, I played golf, got crabs, today, got snowballs for those in, good in, kind in of Baltimore, crabs. Maryland. Yeah, uh, good kind of crabs. Question for you, podcast host: How much are a dozen crabs at Captain Max Seafood Shanty in Sylvieville, Delaware? What's the price of crabs? I'm going to go with $30. $29.95. Oh, I'm going to go with $28. Yeah. Oh, inflation, bucks. man. Inflation, man. I think we're 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 closer to $80. $80? What? For large crabs. Yeah. Like I'm no not even talking. Those, right? Aren't they like all working? Oh, my God. Oh, these, were, these were good. I recommend Captain Max Lobster Shanty. Well, anyway. Chris Chris has not asked me how I'm doing, but this is Sean, and I can report. <laughs> we only I made it. <laughs> Becker yeah, derailed me the stories of crabs, all right? I no, I asked you one question. question. One question's going to throw you off your game? Come on. What kind all of right, story? All right, all right. We are right. joined by Mr. Full 20 himself, Sean Green. How are we doing, Sean? Doing good. I was just going to jump in without the segue or without your segue to say that I found a really good lobster roll for $22 on Cape Cod, where I just returned from vacation, did a nice little Massachusetts vacation in Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard. Um, but I think that was a better value play than your crabs, Mr. Becker. So if you're ever up in Cape Cod, maybe Chris and I can meet up with you and, and get a lobster roll. But yeah, Chris, I'm doing well. I was, I was going to say the only blemish in my week has been the, the full, the full Garces, the full Guapo, whatever we're calling it. Um, did not quite expect it to go that poorly, but you know, it is what it is price of, a, of a, I think a very good rebuild otherwise. So no, no big when, deal. When did the full guapo start to hurt? <laughs> um, you know, I just, I just started getting this image of like a submarine sinking to the bottom a few weeks ago. I think, you know, I played the toughest teams in the league the last four weeks and my team just really cratered after my fire sale and, you know, just even even a, a a bad team would normally be expected to win a few week a few categories, but it just didn't happen for me. So well, uh, we'll talk more about that as as the cast goes on. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, happy to be back because it is a full cast, so there will be plenty of time to talk about other full things. Um, but uh, we are also joined by Mr. Paul Powell, and it is long overdue. Uh, Paul, thank you for for patiently waiting there during our. Uh, hideous intro, but that. But how are we doing? Oh, doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on. Glad we were able to make it work finally with everybody's schedules. Yeah, and I think you're actually one of the one of the first repeats, other than Ian, 
Um, I, I actually, I think we had Anton twice too. So we're, we're starting to get people on here for their second visits, but you had quite the season, man, Paul. I feel like you should uh, walk us through how we got to where we are for, for, uh, for the Ichiros. Uh, sure. And thanks. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the season so far. Uh, this is of course crunch time right now, so we'll see how it ends. But uh, I, th I think the, the build for the team this year wasn't too complicated because I was coming in with uh, such good homegrown assets on the pitching side in particular. So I was pretty focused on trying to get some flexibility and, you know, even though it hasn't worked out quite how I hoped I had the Chris Taylor trade, I think helped before the season and just trying to build as much depth on offense as I could and then uh, ride those pitchers and cross my fingers that none of them got hurt. And so far so good on that front. I'm audibly knocking on wood here uh, for the, uh, for those starters um, since you can never really count on starting pitching, staying healthy, but uh, I like how it's gone. Um, some of the matchup luck, I wish had gone another direction, but I also feel like I've caught a few breaks here at the end because my offense has been kind of scuffling the last few weeks and I've still managed to pull out some categories just because I've run into some subpar performances by the teams I've been playing. So if you don't mind my taking this in a very specific direction about your yeah. team for a second, I, I, I'm curious, first off, like, are you willing to walk us through how you acquired Sandy Alcantara? Uh, Alcantara? Cause I don't remember you getting him, but I'm pretty sure you got him from Dubner a ways back. Is that correct? No, I, I actually drafted him uh, towards the end of the second round. Um, I forgot which year it was, 2018, 2017. Um, so it was towards the end of the second round of, of that draft. I think that might have been the draft where I wasted my first round pick on Zach Collins. <laughs> so the second, if, if that's the case, the second rounder ended up being much better than the first. And at the at the time, I remember looking at the scouting reports and thinking I really wanted an upside pitcher. And he was uh, the last guy on the list that had uh, potential ace upside listed in multiple scouting reports, though everybody said he's probably a reliever. I was like, well, you roll the dice and maybe you end up with a really good with a really good back end uh, with a really good with a really good reliever instead of a good starter. But you always take the chance on the ace. So fortunately, it worked out this time. So is he your favorite player right now on your fantasy roster? I mean, he has to be, though. I, I mean, it's it's tough between him and Dylan Cease, but uh, yeah, I love I love it when Sandy goes. <laughs> it's great because you always you always might get nine innings out of him, which is uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Second second round, twenty seventeen. Just to, to yeah. confirm, yes, that's got to be your best pick of all time. Well done. I I mean, I, I will never make a better one. I'm sure. Uh, you know, you know who went right before Sandy Alcantara in that draft? Fernando Tatis. Wow, the pick, the pick before that, and uh, Luis Robert two picks before that. So it was a nice little second round. <laughs> yeah, that's a good second round run. Yeah, well, Paul, so you're going up against Neo, uh, and we're going to preview your match in a few minutes. But uh, what, what's your confidence level in the playoffs here in general? Um. I'm happy that my team has, other than the notable absence of Ozzy Albies, has finally gotten healthy. I was running, I think, eight or nine guys on the IL there for a while, and it was really testing some of the depth that I built and, and some of the trades that I made. But with the trades and with everybody getting healthy, I feel pretty good about my position going into it. But Tim's got a heck of a team, and both times we've played, it's been you know razor-thin margins. I mean, it came down to 
what was it, two one thousandths or ten thousandths of a point in OPS last time to decide it, and that was two weeks ago. So I expect this one to go right down to the wire. I think he's got better pitching matchups than I do this week. Um, so I'm crossing my fingers on that. Looks like I sat uh, uh, Pablo Lopez for what would have been a, you know, not great, but decent positive MGS type start tonight. And I might end up regretting that. So we'll just see how it goes. Right. Paul, can I ask uh, about, are, are you concerned about the offense? I haven't dug into it, but I did, I did see the overall stats over the last month and it's not pretty. Yeah. Uh, can, can you talk about what's going on there and uh, what needs to change? Yeah. I mean, what needs to change is just some guys that I have a lot of confidence in or that I did have a lot of confidence in need to start playing like they, like they should. I uh, were being carried by Nolan Arenado and Freddie Freeman uh, to a large degree at this point. And those are great guys to get carried by, but I'm putting up close to a zero at catcher because of the Tyler Stevenson injury and the fact that I couldn't work a trade before the deadline to, that I liked to get a catcher in there. So I'm running Fortes and Sebi Zavala out there uh, on a on a regular basis. That's all I've got. Um, and then, you know, Kettle Marte has been pretty bad. Bogarts finally seems to be turning it back on after uh, going through a slump. So other than catcher, which is a huge hole, I just need the guys to play the way they're supposed to play. And we'll just see if they're able to do that over the course of the next week and hopefully more. Right. The talent's there, but yeah, just just bad performance that happens to the best of us, I guess. Yeah, and the catcher thing, I I really wish I'd been able to put something together. I I was in talks with a lot of people throughout the day, and I just didn't think that there was a deal that made sense. Um, and so I kind of rolled the dice on uh, being able to pick somebody off the wire and make it work. I hope you haven't looked at JT Realmuto's numbers over the last like month I, and a half. <laughs> I've looked at them way too much, but I want to point out that that was not actually a deal that was okay. on the table. I would have had to, we talked about it throughout the day, but I would have had to, I think, sweeten the pot at the end because he was understandably uh, not comfortable taking one of my guys back as a backup catcher. Um, and he wanted to make sure he had the depth for the playoffs too. So it was close, but it's not something that I, ended up saying no to and then regretting it just didn't come together fair enough yeah you know star real quick uh because i think we have a couple things we want to talk about today and i don't want to spend too much time but uh just thinking a little bit about like what you said there the question of like reacting to a month's worth of data at what point do you say like something's wrong with your roster if like the guys have run cold like one week you'll 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 ride it but four weeks and you're worried is that is that roughly what i just learned about you are you talking? To, are you asking me specifically? Yeah, I'm asking you because you you were saying that his that his offense had tanked in the last four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I use that I, I use that barometer because it's like um, CBS just like lets you do like one, two, three, four last four weeks. So that's like the longest period of time that also is like recent. So I think that's why I focus in on that particular. Um, and, you know, I think I think there is some there's something to that that you can kind of see how teams are trending. Um, yeah, and I think and I think a month of data is, you know, not necessarily predictive, but probably more than just a blip. So you know, uh, it's just like how are teams trending lately? Uh, I think particularly when you're looking at like everyone made moves after the trade deadline, a lot of rosters changed a lot. Looking at overall roto numbers don't tell the full story, and so you know, particularly like 
it's four of the five weeks since the trade deadline um, gives you like a little bit of information. But one of the things I noticed just looking at that, those numbers that offense is just down <laughs> again. Like there was like offense, like got like peaked and then kind of seemed to have plummeted off again. So I think I saw like only three of the eight playoff teams had an OPS over 750 over the last, you know, four weeks. So it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. And I think we're going to delve into each one of them uh, that's playing this week. So we're going to do that in just a sec. But before we do, I did just want to ask the boys what they were thinking about this uh, contract that Julio Rodriguez signed. Anybody have thoughts on this? Because it's sort of a new new style of contract, highly incentive laden. Very yeah, I've got time. thoughts. I, and I, I shared them via email, but um, I just think it's very odd when your your contract is based or your incentives are based on the voting habits of others. Yes, um, that was exactly there, what I was going to say. Th- that, that, that is a problem for a host of reasons. Um, but I, I'm going to double down on what I said in the email is people, what people don't understand is that the, the universe of voters for, say, AL MVP is a small subset of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, there, are, there might be 30 of the 300 writers voting on that award. And so, um, you know, Julio Rodriguez may not know who those 30 are, but they, they wield a, a ton of power um, and, you know, will influence whether he makes 400 million versus 300 million so forth. So I just think there's, there's a lot of trouble there. And it's, that's the reason why a lot of writers are not even permitted anymore to vote on these awards. So one thing I noticed that like, I'm just, I'm wondering if it's a trend, it's a little too soon to react, but it felt like the top prospects were all getting signed before they played their first game, right? So you got your Ella Jimenez, you got your Louis Robert, you got your, uh, I think uh, the Acuna signed pretty quick into his tenure as well, right? Uh, now it seems like teams are like, prove it, and then we'll sign you in your first year. Uh, and the deals are bigger, but I, it's a, it's an interesting trend. I'm, I'm curious to see if if this is just uh, happenstance and, and they've been negotiating the whole time or how the Mariners played this. But the Mariners notably did sign Evan White and got burned by it before he uh, before he like actually proved anything. So I, I'm wondering how much that played into the timing of this and Good for um, Evan White, though. <laughs> Take that money, I, I baby. love those deals, right? Like the John Singletary, didn't he have like 100 games in Major League Baseball and they signed him to a long-year deal? Like, I I almost love those types of deals, the ones where they gamble and lose and the player wins as opposed to the, the, the team control deal for 10 years. Although, fascinating. I think that's one of the features I actually kind of like about the Rodriguez deal is that his downside risk is totally covered. Like, yeah, it, it's a smaller deal than some of the other longer extensions. But I think that if he pulls a Bellinger and just forgets how to hit, then he's still got a minimum of what, $200 million locked in. And he's got a player option to just say, yeah, pay me $18 million a year for the next few years, even though I'm completely broken. I think that's pretty good. And then if they get, and then with the option escalators, uh, he's getting paid, even if it's a little bit less than what market is at the time, it's going to be a pretty good payday if he ends up being a really good player. So it covers both ends. I, I agree on the on the MVP votes thing. It would be better to tie it to some kind of you know 
statistical model or have some kind of sliding scale there. But the concept is pretty nice for both sides, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I also think the MVP and Cy Young, those are pretty standard. I mean, it's not a new thing in baseball contracts. I think it's just more that it's, it's, you're tying, tying so much money to those, um, those triggers. Yeah. I agree with Paul. I mean, it's a great floor. I mean, who, who, who wouldn't want that? I think compared to Tatis, the Tatis deal, I think I'd prefer that if I were Rodriguez. And I don't know, just he has this swagger and this je ne sais quoi. I just feel like Julio Rodriguez is going to be a superstar for a long time. So I don't know if I would have signed this deal if I were him. But I, I think the the combination of the high floor and the and the upside is is pretty sweet. So, well, Sean, one yeah. point. Usually the um, the the incentives in the contract for say winning AL MVP are just like monetary, right? Two Straight, million, like yeah, two million, three million, whatever. Isn't I, I'm not. Um, very familiar with the details on this deal, but doesn't um, doesn't this add years? If he wins AL MVP, doesn't it add years or like multi million dollars to his contract? Yeah, I think it's definitely doing a lot more work than those other deals, like you're saying, that are just bonus payments. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I think this is pretty innovative. This is using using a traditional um, carrot in different ways. I believe well, this is not dissimilar from some deals we've seen in the NBA, actually. But I'm not sure I've seen a, a an MLB deal like this. But this is this is something that's gotten pretty popular with a lot when you like give a guy a young guy a max contract in the NBA. They they build in some stuff like this. Well, those well, voters are a lot smarter, and they at least like the sport they cover. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's harsh, but so something something I'm wondering about though, and you guys correct me if I'm getting the details on the on the deal wrong. But have we we've seen bonuses before? But have we seen one that ties team option years to MVP to MVP finishes? Because I thought that was a feature of the contract that it's not just the contract goes up, but at certain you know point certain voting points, the Mariners have the choice of whether they want to sign him for extra years at more money. And that I think increases the likelihood of shenanigans because it's not just like here's here's some extra cash. It's nope. Now we can lock you down for three more years. You can't hit free agency. I mean, I'm not saying that the Mariners are doing anything, but teams have pretty close relationships with some writers, That's so you could see that happening. Yeah, I would have accepted twenty thousand dollars to vote Julio Rodriguez first in my AL MVP ballot. No question. I think I, I normally would have read more about this in the past week and had more to contribute here, but I was spending that part of my brain like deciding whether to dip my soft serve in, in cherry or peanut butter chocolate. Um, oh, I had that so, Sunday. Sorry. I believe, John, I had that Sunday. It's called the, the, the full Garces. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's cho chocolate peanut butter. Yeah, it's very chocolatey. Yep. Very brown. Yep. Couldn't resist. Um, well, and, and something else is wrong here because it says here on CBS that uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez is uh, currently making $0 on Mark's roster. So uh, I guess maybe Mark needs to do something about that. Um, all right. I suggest we move on and start covering some of these matchups. Paul, I'm normally I wouldn't do this, but uh, you know, given that we have you, uh, I'm curious if you're willing to break down your own uh, week ahead here for us a little bit, because uh, we're going to start with your matchup. If you prefer that we do it and you just listen and 
we can do that as well. Uh, but I think we might hear a little bit more about your strategy with the pitching. You obviously already benched uh, Pablo Lopez. So, um, you know, you don't have to give away too much secret sauce, but just uh, what are we trying to do? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that this week I've got a couple of good matchups and a couple of not so good matchups. So I'm really trying to uh, get, you know, there are guys you don't bench, you know, Sandy's going and I, I'm sorry, I'm I, Tim, am I giving away my secrets here? Uh, you're going to have to ride through Sandy Alcantara and Dylan Cease at some point, but there are some options at the end of the week. Yeah, that's right. But given, given the lower innings count, I'm trying to, uh, to target those a little bit more because my bullpen, while it's been pretty good this year, it's thin and, I'm not. Uh, I'm not out. I'm not somebody who's out there running eight start eight relievers because I've got starter starting pitcher reliever guys. I'm usually putting five in there, so I can't get too many of my innings from uh, from the pen. So it's really going to be a matter of riding the matchups, and I've got some bad ones. I wish I had the matchups that I had last week. This week, that would have been a lot nicer. I actually uh, thought about gunning for the. Uh, for the MGS record on Sunday, but I figured that the very, very minuscule risk of ruin wasn't worth it. And I would have gotten it if I'd started uh, Urias and Cease, but uh, I just didn't want to risk even a one in 10,000 chance on the, the playoffs on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So you're obviously going up against, uh, against Tim. Um, yep. And uh, Matt or, or Michael, either of you have, have thoughts on his matchups and what Tim's looking at so far this week. I feel bad for Tim because he has had such a powerhouse uh, offense, especially this entire season. And he's hit a bad run of uh, cold streak and injury uh, injury problems. I, I I think pitching, especially this time of year in the playoffs, is, is so vital, and that's where uh, you know Paul's got a huge advantage. Uh, I I I think it's Paul. It could be close if uh, if. Any one of Devers, Muncy, Bichette, Springer has like a huge week, but I think that the pitching advantage is such that uh, it's you know Paul's going to be tough to beat. Well, I, I do have to say, while while I appreciate that, I think Tim's pitching matchups are excellent this week. So I think that's cutting into any pitching edge I might have, and both of our offenses have been cold. So I think it's going to, you know, it's going to be hairy there. I mean, Manoa's got Pittsburgh. And Montas and Mikolas both have double taps. Montas is against the Angels in Tampa Bay, and Mikolas is against Cincy in Chicago. So, right. and, and also, lost, uh, Paul, like, you know, Mikolas has four innings and has done pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, so, so in, in terms of like taking risks and, and not taking risks, it looks like Tim is throwing a couple of early arms to try to, you know, get the landscape where he wants it to look. Uh, and then maybe play with it from there. Uh, and it looks to be playing out that way in his favor so far. Um, Star, who do you like in this matchup? Uh, well, I, I wanted to say, I take objection to something that that, that uh, Mr. Becker said. I, I don't think Tim's offense has been elite. Uh, it, it actually was has not really been elite since, you know, week 10 or so. Uh, and, and if you want to talk about what is a large enough sample size to draw draw conclusions from i'd say half a season of bad offensive play tells me this is maybe not a good offense anymore um you know and aaron judge might have had something to do with that i don't know it's kind of weird it's weird how that <laughs> weird how the timing of that all uh, lines up but um you know i i, I think i don't think tim 
can't win this matchup. Uh, you know, I, I, but I think the the season long performance and current season and current more recent performance certainly favors Paul pretty strongly here. Um, you know, I think both from an offensive and a pitching perspective. But like you said, I mean, Tim's got some great matchups, and I think that's the kind of thing that you know in a one week playoff matchup could could swing things and I think could could move things in the right direction for Tim. So I don't think it's impossible that he wins, even though I would say he's he's the underdog here. Hot take from Sean. I was just going to mention the matchups before Paul uh, very succinctly covered that. Yeah, and it's a short week. I mean, he still has some, some real star players. I think the one thing that shocked me um, – looking at Tim's roster was that Bobachet has just not been very good this year. Um, I, I sort of just assumed that he was <laughs> going to look solid when I looked at his stat sheet and he just has been mediocre at best, certainly not a top, you know, first round player, which he, he was a consensus first rounder to start the season. So I think that that's, that's been a big disappointment, definitely trading judge. Um, but yeah, no, Tim can definitely pull this out. Paul, Paul's in good, good position, but, but yeah, those pitching matchups, I think, are in Tim's favor this week to certainly make pitching closer than it would have otherwise been. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I feel like if if Michaelis continues to pitch this well through the game, I'd be curious if he benches Montas actually, because um, I I feel like with only twenty three innings needed and uh, there will probably be you know he's got twenty four minutes here to make that call. He's not going to hear this cast first, so I'm not worried about him hearing what I think he should do, but I, you know, it, he, he might be playing with some house money that it's better to just cash out, take, you know, six, seven really good innings and then force Paul's hand a bit, but we'll see. Um, Let me tell you guys one, one last thing about Tim, uh, just from my experience in my, my home league, uh, this is the time where he excels. Like he is so good playing daily matchups and managing the game within the game uh, that it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he has thought, through that uh, that proposition you know, days ago and is is ready to execute it. So uh, just another plug for Tim. He's really good at this stuff. Angels aren't very good either. I think that's a good start for Montas. I don't know. It's yeah, one of the best Angels are terrible. I mean, I guess Trout's back, but they're pretty terrible. Yeah, I feel like this is one of his best remaining starts. All right. Well, I think it's time to to switch leagues. Paul, we wish you luck. Uh, I hope to see you advance. Uh, not anything against you, you, Tim, but we've got Paul here. And I'm rooting for everybody, but I'm rooting for Ryan most because he has all of my team uh, from the beginning of the year. And for that reason, uh, Ryan, let's go cornballers. Uh, let's talk about the matchup between Becker and Ryan. Becker, I'm going to give you the floor, same as I did for Paul. Uh, you want to walk us through some of your choices, what, what we're looking at here? Sure. I, no real surprises. I mean, I, I think I played it pretty straight. Uh, I, I relied on so much depth coming down the stretch that there were not a lot of hard calls. It's like, all right, do I want to bench Isaiah Connor Falefa or do I want to bench like Ramon Urias? Uh, and both made the roster. So uh, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary. I've got some decent matchups. I've got Zach Allen going twice. Um, I, there are, uh, I think Freddie Peralta has a has a good matchup. Uh, Robbie Ray th- goes once. So r- really, it's kind of one of those situations where you rolled balls out and let them play and see how they do. Um, I think Ryan's got a great team. 
Aaron Judge can win the matchup like on his own. So this is this is really one where I'd say it's a coin flip, and it just depends on you know what happens in the week. I know that sounds simple, but that's kind of how I feel about this one. Are you before we turn over to Ryan's side of this? Are you prepared to go very reliever heavy? I know that's been something you've done in the past quite a bit. No, I I actually went pretty reliever light. Um, and I, I'm actually starting two relievers who I picked up two days ago. So welcome Lucas Lutke and Jose Alvarado. Uh, Brandon Hughes, I've only known for about two months or two weeks, excuse me. So no, I, I'm, I'm prepared to go pretty starter heavy. Maybe that changes in the next round, but I, I liked the matchups and um, there's not a lot of trust with my top relievers. I mean, you saw, I dropped Josh Hader. I dropped Josh Hader yesterday or the day before. So, um, deservedly, I think. Very deservedly. Like, I, I wasn't going to play him this week, and I probably wouldn't play him the next week. And I know the Padres aren't. So, no, I'm, I'm rolling with starting pitching. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to ask you about that in just a little bit more detail. Do, do you think so? Your, your strategy, at least for much of the regular season, was pretty reliever heavy. Do you think the lower innings cap in the playoffs? harms that strategy makes that strategy less beneficial what do you what are your thoughts on how the impact of that on your team that went sure, so early I, I, want to push back, I want to push back slightly like i don't i don't think i went reliever heavy i went reliever heavy at the beginning of last year and i think it kind of set the narrative but no once i started what i think i'm curious I try, yeah, what I what I tried to do was accumulate, especially when when like McGill was out, when Freddie Peralta was out, I tried to accumulate a lot of like mid level guys, um, you know, Ashcroft, uh, Tom, Keegan Thompson, those those types of pitchers, you know, um, Bla uh, the the guy from the A's, um, just to get through stuff. And so I really wasn't relying on a ton of relievers. To get me through it now that i have an opportunity to just rely on zach allen twice robbie ray freddie peralta like i'm i'm comfortable so i'll i'll go with the relievers that got me there like minter and maybe i win vj but no i'm i once once my starting pitching got healthy like i knew that my team was going to win through starting pitching so that's kind of my strategy yeah you, you were 14th in overall starts but it's not you weren't like way behind everybody else you i you had i had eight more starts in the season than you did so it's not like it was crazy yeah and frankly i think that's a product of like accumulating so many middling starting pitchers that i got to choose based on matchups like that's that's my that's my preference is to just get a lot of shit and then play the matchups and pl start some don't start others and see how it breaks. So I think that's what that reflects. So real quick, just to keep us moving, if that's all right, I'm going to just point out, I'm sure you've already realized this, Michael, but uh, Ryan's pitching matchups are, they are filet mignon of pitching matchups. Um, so that's got to have you quivering a little bit. Max Fried has two. He's home against the Rockies and home against the, uh, the Marlins. He, he, uh, he's got Ga uh, Gaussman home against the Cubs. He's got Kyle Wright home against the Rockies. Uh, and then he's got Sonny Gray, if he dares to start him, against the White Sox, who've been really scuffling. 
Um, so I, I think that Ryan can likely play his, his pitching very conservatively, expecting to get good uh, starting pitching numbers from those starts and then seeing where, where the overall whip HRA and, uh, and ERA numbers look. And I think his hitting is, is obviously the strength of the squad. So, uh, you know, you've got your work cut out for you, Michael, I don't mean to scare you. Um, but it definitely looks like Ryan's got, uh, everything breaking his way matchup wise this week. No, I, I appreciate you pointing that out. Uh, I was aware of it. I I'm not quivering. Thank you though, for the concern. Um, I don't know. I, I have a phrase like everything changes everything. One bad start from one of those guys gives up four runs and it's like totally new matchup, especially in a short week. So while I don't expect it, I'm just going to kind of wait and see how it unfolds. Nothing I can do about the matchups at this point. Sean, that a how do you like Hill song? No. A Lauren Hill? Every, I think oh, it's yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is everything. So I, know I, I, I know. I was silence. Thanks, guys. I do. I, 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 I didn't hear what you said. But it was a little too dry in the delivery. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was only like a half Garces. You got to go full Garces. <laughs> Sean, who do you like in this matchup? Oh, I think I. I think I lean Hughes. Um, remind me the tiebreaker rules. There's like no ties anymore. So yeah, it, it's weird now. Yeah, there there is no home field advantage in the playoffs, which I think was a drastic error, but it is what it is for this year. So that's how yeah. it goes. So, so given what, that, what if home I, runs are tied? Like what happens there? Home runs. Then that the category gets thrown out. Oh, are you yeah, serious? You win it. Yeah, it's yeah, just fun. nobody nobody wins. Well, I'm gonna have to change some things. <laughs> That's right, man. Okay, all right. Yeah, th this is important information to know. All right, very no. Good. So, but Continue. so given that, I feel like I think I like Hughes' team right now a little bit more where it stands. Those pitching matchups. Um, Becker's got a great squad. Obviously, I'm a gallon gal like Chris. I'm rooting for all of these players I'm seeing from my team and all these other teams. Uh, by the way, Paul, I was glad to see Cobb did make your roster. I know he might not start, but that made me that made me feel better because I know he's struggled a little bit this year um, on the the fundamental, not the peripheral stats. But uh, no, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Really strong teams. Ryan's come on really strong, so I, I do think Becker should be quivering a little bit. Maybe waking up at two a.m. questioning his his lineup decisions, writing down some notes, thinking about it all day, and then making that decision at the end of the day. But no, looking forward to watching. I'll just say that regardless of how... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to pivot and say, regardless of how it comes out with the matchup, I'm really interested to see how Hughes's uh, cash-heavy strategy continues to play out because I think he probably executed exactly what he wanted to do this year and still has the max carryover for next year. And you could just see this turning into kind of a, a perpetual cash cash flow generator especially if nobody else starts running that strategy if you're the only one running it in the market it's fascinating i'll be and i think he could i think he can pull it off he's pulled it off so far but I, i'll love to see what's going on there yeah I, I had my doubts about it because hughes is not really known for trading at the beginning of the season and i didn't i, I wasn't sure if he could really pull you know pull off the trades he needed to pull off to make it work but he obviously has done that yeah, uh, and I'm not I'm not sad about it either because I think it it really this is one where it really benefited both of us. 
I'm looking at the way that May has performed. I'm looking at uh, the season that DL Hall had. Uh, I'm looking at a first round pick and I'm looking at all that money I got to keep and then bought another pick with it. So I think we both win here. All those players were leaving my roster anyway and my team was in bad shape. So um, rooting for you, Ryan. Good luck. Um, so one thing I wanted to point out about this matchup, just, just in terms of uh, Becker's team, is that I think it's easy to forget, you know, many moons ago in the beginning of the season, when Becker's team was fully healthy, this was the best offense in the league. And this team is now resembling the team with, with Trout and Harper finally back. This is a team that could have, could be, you know, you know, one of the top three offenses. And I think Hughes is competitive there, but I don't think Hughes's offense is the same caliber of Becker's when he's fully healthy. And so I think it's kind of easy to forget, you know, you were without Harper for what, two and a half months there or something like that. And without Trout for a good month, then, you know, that it was, it was kind of a jazz Chisholm. Top, yeah. And jazz Chisholm is still out. Uh, it's kind of a top heavy team and that, and uh, you know, when you lose guys like that it makes a huge difference in your team is constructed that way. So I, I think there's maybe more of a advantage on offense than than other folks. Then it may look kind of in the season long lines here. Um, but I think I think this is a tough matchup either way. I think it could go. I absolutely think it could go either way. Um, you know, it's I think a, a little bit less clear, less straightforward than the who the better team is here than it is in federal. All right. Um, I'm keeping my eye on the clock, gentlemen. Uh, Paul. We're going to have you lead off the next segment. We're going to try to keep this to, you know, no more than a minute per person. But who are your picks to represent federal and union in the championship round this year? Well, it's it's hard to go against uh, either of the top seeds because I think they're both very deserving. I mean, as usual, we end up with the, the two best teams getting the two double buys. But that's boring. So I'm going to say watch out for Hughes and watch out for Mark. I think that. Mark's pitching staff right now makes uh, that a very, very difficult matchup for anybody, even though his offense is not top of the line. Uh, it nullifies a lot of uh, advantages that I think uh, some of us like me have been riding uh, pretty heavily throughout the season. Those are some strong takes. Very strong takes. Becker, I believe you're next. I'm going to go with uh, star who I think still has the best team um, in the league and has for probably eight to 10 weeks. And then I, I agree with Mark. Uh, I, I agree with Paul about Mark. When you have that type of pitching, like it can totally propel you. And then you win a few categories on offense, especially like stolen bases or some kind of uh, less, less sexy categories. That's a championship team right there. So I'm going to go with uh, star and Mark. Wow, that's two picks for Mark. Can, All can right. I can I can I, can I just take a, a hard disagree on Mark? Uh, Mark's team basically can't win three or four categories in any week. He's never going to win home runs. He's never going to win the rates. He's never going to RBIs. Like I don't I don't think a team that is basically punting three to four categories out the gate, especially when everyone's got good pitching. Like I don't, I don't think that team can win three, three weeks, three weeks in a row. I just don't think it's possible. I think the odds are so stacked against you because, like, one bad start and your week's fucked. Well, yeah, you one bad start in three weeks and you lose. 
you were up anyway. So if it's not Mark, uh, who is it going to be? It, it's either Paul or Brophy. I mean, Brophy's team is surging right now. If I had to, if I had to put odds on it, I, I mean, Brophy's the easy choice because he has to play fewer games than everybody else. Um, so, he, but I think from a talent perspective, um, Paul and Brophy really stand above the rest in federal right now. And you know, I think Paul unfortunately has to play two more <laughs> matchups to get there, but. You know, if Paul can can get to Brophy, I think you know it could be it's a, it's a coin flip in terms of who wins that matchup. Um, and Federal, you know, I I don't want to tout my team, so you know it's it really could I, I mean it could be anybody. I don't, I'm not looking forward to playing any of the teams again. Like if I'm playing from if I'm going mathematically, I mean Dubner's pitching has been insane lately and it's kind of easy to look you look at that team doesn't really jump out to you but he's got a lot of good pitchers and you know has really like dominated pitching wise over the last like quarter of the season here so that's one to watch out for and the offense has been kind of quiet but i think you know there's like a good week lurking in there somewhere all right john you're up I think I'm going to go Ichiro's um, and Cornballers. So two Dodger fans. And, um, yeah, I, I think Ryan, I just have a good feeling about Ryan's team. I think it's surging. I think he's made a lot of good moves. Um, love the pitching. I think the offense is pretty fun. Um, and Yeah, Paul's team is really strong. Yeah, I mean, Mark, Mark could easily – make some magic here. Um, it'll be really fun to watch. And fucking Brophy has a double bye. I mean, I – we can talk about this another segment another time, but I still think the double buy is too much of an advantage. Um, it's it's too powerful. Um, but uh, once you have it, good for you. So yeah, that that makes Brophy really hard to beat. Uh, I I'm just gonna stick to what I was gonna say. I wrote down before I started that I was predicting Ryan, and I'm I feel we've gone very Ryan heavy on that side of the bracket. I feel he's the feel good story, and uh, and I'm you know obviously rooting for him for my own reasons, but. Um, you know, I I, I I don't know that he's gonna get there, but I'm 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 hopeful he will. Uh, I think Brophy is the team to beat uh, on the other side. Uh, I think Brophy will likely break Ryan's heart in the finals. That's my prediction right now. Uh, and Brophy will win yet another championship. Sean rolled his eyes at me, but you know that's what I think is gonna happen. So, I like I like the other championship. Yeah. Sorry. I I'd I have to say I think Ryan. I, I'm curious. I think Ryan's team is actually. A, a worse version of my team, and so I'm curious to hear why people think that he's going to go all the way. Because I think, oh, paper, don't be all logical, Star. This is an opportunity to to just you know have a feel good moment. And and Ryan, Ryan is a feel good team. He's you know we got. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Has Ryan ever made the finals? I don't. I, I hope he doesn't get insulted by me me saying that. But has he made the finals? Yeah, it would have been very early on. Uh, like a year one or two or something like yeah. that. Well, we'll start. So this is a podcast where we're trying to generate enthusiasm and audience, and you've won many times and represented sure. your league many but then, times. But then everyone well, allow us and that people, and you know we're trying to get clicks here. Okay, fair. No one wants to hear Brophy versus Star yet again. God damn it! <laughs> I, I, you know, I wonder. I was actually trying to figure this out if he and I have ever actually played each other in the finals. I think we did once. I think he beat me. The one time we played like 10 years ago or something. Well, 
Um, we really did bury the lead here, folks, because uh, I think we're 30, 40 some odd minutes in here, and we're now just finally getting to the meat of the podcast. It's time to talk about what you really want to know. Who's going to win between Sean and Chris in round one? We're calling it the Sandwich Fest, uh, where the, the winner uh, gets a Darwin sub. Darwin's, in case you don't know, is a Cambridge-based sandwich restaurant. Uh, very good. Uh, it's gone a little bit downhill over the years, I got to say. It, it used to be much better than it is now. But if well, I win, Sean's going to be getting me a roasted turkey with uh, avocado, Swiss cheese, a little mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato. Um, you know, they have other subs there that are, are really good. Uh, big fan of their uh, turkey Reuben as well. But go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say, I mean, since you still owe me for our bet from last summer, uh, a Chris 20, not 20 million, but just 20. Um, I'm willing to go bigger here if you want to make this like a lobster roll bet, uh, given we're still in lobster roll season. But yeah, no, this this should be an interesting clown car race. Uh, we've also been racing for the number one pick the last few weeks. Um, I thought it was going to be much closer than it was, but uh, my team has been truly pathetic the last few weeks. So I think you've got this one. I uh, I didn't have to announce my 26-man roster because I think I only had 26 players that weren't either in the minors or on the IL. Um <laughs> And I thought I actually ch chatted Paul earlier saying, can I add players for free here? I couldn't remember the rules because uh, I thought about stacking a couple of guys here for our matchup, but I didn't get in under the wire. So good luck to you. I look forward to buying you a sandwich soon. Well, we'll see if I can actually hold it up. I, you know, I, I will uh, reveal my secret sauce because uh, it matters so much. Um, I am going very reliever heavy this week. My matchups are horrible. Um, so we'll, we'll see which one of our, uh, pitching strategies works out better. And both of our offenses are terrible. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see who gets four home runs and wins. Um, anyone else want to comment on this absolute slug fest? Don't all be seems like, uh, it seems like that Lance McCullers matchup against the angels might actually make the difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I kept him. <laughs> I think instead of a sub, you guys should consider um, a dozen crabs from Captain Max Lobster Shanty in Selbyville, Delaware. That's an $80 bet right there. You're going to pack them up in ice and uh, <laughs> ship them. It to can be done. Boston. I'm sure they ship. All right. Uh, let's give a little love to the, the union side of the McQueenies, uh, where we are seeing uh, Josh play Nate. Um, anyone look into this before this moment right now? Because we obviously don't. I, I was literally just just scrambling to look at the, what was going on in that matchup. Well, you've done more than the Hold rest please. of us, then. So, Mr. Matthew Starr is going to lead us through what he sees on the fly. Go ahead, Matthew. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, you know, uh, Nate's pitching is pretty bad, but he has some decent matchups here. So. Um, it also uh, doesn't look like he set his roster, so that's good. Uh, I'm gonna have to <laughs> deal with that later. <laughs> um, th th that's my big discovery here. Uh, he did not did not get his roster down to 26 guys, as far as I can tell. Um, but you know, he's got uh, Cal Quantrill against the Orioles and Jameson Tyone. How does everyone have like great pitching matchups this week? It's very confusing. Jameson Tyone against the Angels, and uh, you know. Drew Hutchinson apparently is a player uh, against the the Royals. I don't know if is he is he any good 
anymore. <laughs> kind of forgot he was still in baseball. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think just off the top of my head, I mean, Nate's team has, has really struggled down the stretch and Josh's team has been less terrible. And so that, that, that leads me to believe maybe, uh, Josh has an advantage here. All right. Anyone else want to comment? I'm with you. I think, I think Josh is, is, uh, He's he, he looks like the team to beat and and live on uh, on the cast. Madison Bumgarner just gave up two <laughs> runs for Don's team. So there you go, Sean. Uh, Tanner Scott got three strikeouts. Pretty and pretty you got a stolen base already. So like that that that, that might be stolen base. Stolen base. Yep. That might Best be enough to win the whole thing right there. So you know. Um. All right. I think we got to keep these at a reasonable clip. So uh, any closing thoughts, guys? Or, or are we ready for that? Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I got the uh, Los Angeles Rams in the 11th round of my fantasy football draft as a defense. So let's go Rams. <laughs> Paul, it was a real pleasure having you on again. Um, I, I really do wish you luck. And I, I am sorry for toying with your schedule as much as we did down the stretch here. Um, and uh, I, I hope I hope things go well for you this week. Thanks, and uh, and no problem at all on the schedules. I think I was uh, pretty unavailable as well because we've been out on vacation like everybody else for the last few weeks. So glad we could make it work, and it's a great time for it right here at the beginning of the playoffs, uh, most exciting time of year. And uh, here's hoping that uh, Mookie Betts keeps hitting home runs. Love it. Star, any final thoughts from you? Nothing in particular. <laughs> Right. I'll, 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 I'll be brief and let others give their more insightful final thoughts. John? Uh, I'm just deciding whether to stay up late and watch the second episode of House of Dragon, um, which I delayed to be on the podcast with you all. No, good luck, Paul. Rooting for you. Rooting for you, Becker. Rooting for you, Star. I'm rooting for all of you. Just, I hope you all win. Performance trophies. Thanks, Sean. Very meaningful. <laughs> I think that wraps us up. All right. Good luck, playoff teams. Thanks. Good luck to you guys. I don't really want to play you. Good luck, everybody. But I got to play someone, I guess. See ya.